Coming up on today's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, the Raiders playing on Black Friday sounded great to me and only me. We'll talk about that and a lot more coming up on today's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Your Lockdown Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it drops. Of course, if you're listening to us or checking us out on YouTube, it's because of my man Ari. We definitely appreciate him. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. And of course, Raider Nation, more importantly, we thank you for checking us out. If you're listening to us or you're checking us out on YouTube, I'm your boy Q here in Las Vegas. Excited to talk about the Raiders like a glove. And it's funny, uh, we always going to this show and I always kind of give you the news and notes and I never really introduce myself so I'm just assuming that everyone's been uh, listening to the show for years on top of years on top of years so I am here covering the silver and black in Las Vegas of course work for Raider Nation Radio 920 as well my show Unnecessary Roughness 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time but got a lot to get to on today's show coming up in segment number three we'll hit with the calls and texts segment number two what I'll be looking for when the schedule gets released a little bit later on this evening and then here in segment number one news and notes around the league and really excited to talk about the news in notes as it pertains to a former Raider tight end and that's Foster Morrow and uh, he was a guy that on March 22nd put out a tweet as he was on a free agent visit with the New Orleans Saints put out a tweet saying through somewhat of a miraculous process this free agency period has been life-changing for me during a routine physical conducted by the Saints medical team down in New Orleans I've come to learn that I have Hodgkin's lymphoma and will be stepping away from football at this time to fight a new opponent cancer I'm grateful for the support and thankful for people who have stood firm with me. There hasn't been a single step I've taken without hundreds of people lighting the path before me, and I'll continue to seek their guidance. That being said, I'll go kick this thing's ass and get back to doing what I love, AMDG. That's from Foster Morrow, a longtime Raider, longtime draft pick of the Silver and Black, and a guy that I think, especially the time that I covered the Raiders, a really good guy in the locker room, right? A guy that all the teammates really liked. It was always great to be able to talk to him in the locker following a game or whatever the case may be be uh and so that was the news that he put out on march 22nd and then on may 10th the news came down from adam schefter of espn that free agent tight end foster morrow has reached an agreement today on a three-year 12 million dollar deal that includes eight million fully guaranteed additional three million in incentives with the new orleans saints per source morrow winds back up in louisiana of course he's from louisiana went to lsu uh, also, Adam Schefter said Foster Morrow announced that spring in the spring that he was stepping away from the NFL after being uh, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma during a routine physical with the same Saints team for which he now has a three-year agreement. But Morrow has been cleared and expects to play this season. How stinking cool is that? So many times we talk about stories that don't have happy endings, and I'm not saying that this is the end of Foster's story. Of course, he still has a lot of work to do and a lot of fight to do, but to know that he was just in a place, a really dark place, March 22nd, where I'm sure his mind was just going a million miles an hour, had no idea what the future was going to hold, and the only thing he knew is that he was going to fight, fight, fight like hell to get back to where he's at and needs to be. And again, this was all because of a routine physical in a free agency trip. Think about this. What if he wasn't a free agent? 
right? I mean, think about if he wasn't a free agent, he had one more year left on his deal with the silver and black, what could have potentially happened? He wouldn't have been taking that routine physical. So, you know, things always happen uh, in, in strange, mysterious ways. My mom says it all the time that, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And as he said in his tweet, you know, thank goodness that free agency came up and then he took that physical and found out about it. And obviously he's been doing a lot uh, to fight it and fight back and to the point where it looks like he's going to be on the football field sometime this year. And of course, that's not even the most important part, but just to see that the Saints found it, the Saints were happy to bring him back home. That's where he's from. He's got his family around him, and now he also has a three-year deal uh, in the league and a $12 million contract, $8 million fully guaranteed. Of course, he can make uh, more money come based off incentives, but I just think that that's really cool. And again, it's awesome to hear a story when it ends like this because there's so many times in the NFL and in life in general, you hear a story and then you hear it and it doesn't have a great fun, happy ending. But this one, again, seems like it's really trending in the happy, fun ending type of way. So very happy for Foster. I saw a picture that the Saints tweeted out when he signed his contract, and he looked like just the old happy Foster that he always has been, regardless of you know if the team is losing, winning, whatever the case may be. He's always been a dude that's had a really, really good attitude around the building, around the facility, around the media. You know, Anytime you see him, you always see him with a smile on his face, and you saw that same thing on, uh, on Wednesday when, when New Orleans tweeted out a picture of him signing his contract. So I thought that that was really cool and very happy for Foster Morrow, the former Raider tight end, now New Orleans Saint. Of course, this week we've talked a lot about the schedule and what was going to happen with the Black Friday games and the international games. And, you know, there was a tweet that was floating around Twitter, I believe, like last week or maybe even the weekend before that Buffalo and the Raiders were going to be playing uh, internationally. And that found out to be untrue, right? The the NFL released the international games early in the morning on Wednesday, and the Raiders do not have any international games in 2023. I know some Raider fans are going to be upset by that because I'm sure that some people anticipated seeing the Raiders internationally, either in London or Germany. And, and you know, hey, that's that's cool too. Uh, but the Raiders are not going to be one of those teams that travel uh, abroad this upcoming year. The games are like this. October 1st, that's week four, the Falcons will be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in Wembley Stadium. October 8th, the very next week, week five, the Jaguars are still overseas playing the Buffalo Bills at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. October 15th, which is week six, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then November 5th, week nine, the Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs will be at Frankfurt Stadium. That's a big game right there. Tyreek Hill versus old team, the Kansas City Chiefs. That'll be played at Frankfurt Stadium. And then November 12th, week 10, the Colts versus the Patriots also at Frankfurt Stadium. So there you go. Five international games, none involving the silver and black. And then, of course, the game that I really cared about the most, the one that I really pounded the table for and thought that it just made all the sense in the world, the Raiders and Black Friday. It just goes hand in hand, right? You got the 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 black hole. You've got the silver and black. You've got the black stadium and the Legion Stadium. You got the Ra- I mean, everything, and I can go on and on and on and on about the reasons why I thought the Raiders were going to be playing the Black Friday game. Nope, not happening. <laughs> the Dolphins versus the Jets. That's the very first Black Friday game on NFL Prime, November 24th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Think about that, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So noon on Black Friday, and you're getting the Jets and the Dolphins. And I get it, the Aaron Rodgers effect there in New York with the Jets, that's cool. But a noon kickoff, Eastern time, and 3 o'clock on, uh, on the Pacific, or 3, excuse me, 3 p.m. Eastern time and, and noon on the, on the West Coast? Come on, man. Like, who, who's going to watch that one? I, I guess there's going to be a lot of fans that watch it because of New York, the New York media, and, of course, they want to see Aaron Rodgers. And there's probably a group of fans that will watch because they want to see Aaron Rodgers fail. But 
I just don't think that that's the sexiest game there for Black Friday. But then again, my expectations clearly were higher than they should have been. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I went into it with a game plan. In my mind, it made all the sense in the world. And apparently, I'm the only one that it made sense to. So, no Raiders on Black Friday. No Raiders internationally. When do they play? Well, we'll find out later on this afternoon when this full schedule is released. 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I thought I was going to be doing a schedule release show uh, with Raiders.com and uh, Jesse Merrick from News 3 LV right here in Las Vegas, but uh, at the last second, the Raiders actually hit us up and said that they're not going to do that show, so I'm not too sure what the delay is, but we're not going to do that schedule release. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun just going over the schedule, breaking it down, you know, week 1 through 17, uh, but that's not, or actually week 1 through 18, uh, 17 games, but that's not going to happen, so there's that. So we'll just have to break down the schedule here on the show tomorrow at as well, and you know I have no problem doing that. Coming up in segment number two, speaking of the schedule, what am I going to be looking for? Five key elements that I look for when I look at a schedule every single year when it drops for the silver and black. What are those five elements and why? I'll tell you about it coming up in segment number two after I tell you about Built Bar. And every time I think about Built Bar, I just go to the website, built.com. It's real super simple, and I just see what's new because they have so much new. Right now, as soon as I open it up, first of all, hit me in bright Bright colors, chocolate peanut butter and chocolate coconut granola are back. Experience next level granola. Uh, hashtag you got to try this on built.com. You cannot miss it. It hits you right in the face. They have a bunch of different limited time flavors. They do that all the time. They've got ones like cookie dough chunk puff. That's got marshmallows involved. Peanut butter puff, marshmallows. They've got the peanut butter bar, coconut brownie strip bar, snickerdoodle chunk puff, cookie dough strip bar. They've got all kind of different flavors. But as I mentioned, the granola bars are back. Chocolate peanut butter, granola, chocolate coconut. They've got all that available. My man Mikey the Barber out of Sacramento. Sacramento hit me up just the other day and was asking me which ones to choose from. And I was like, man, I wish I could tell you there's just so many flavors right now. You just got to go ahead and figure out what you want. If you want granola, they've got you. You want marshmallows, they got the puffs. If you want the OGs, they got the regular built bar. Whatever the case may be, man, whatever fits your narrative the best, whatever flavors you want, they've got you covered. And all you got to do when you go to check out, make sure you use that promo code LOCKEDON15. It's all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1. One five, the number one five, locked on fifteen will save fifteen percent off your order when you go to check out again. Built.com promo code locked on fifteen. Your locked on Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to jump into the schedule since the Raiders didn't get the international games, none of them. They didn't get a Black Friday game, none of them. Well, it's only one, but. What did they get? Well, we'll find out later on this evening, but what will I be looking for and why when the schedule gets released? Cannot wait to get it in my hands because, again, then you start to feel like you're getting closer and closer to the season, even though it's not quite here. It's only May, but you feel like you're closer and closer to the season once you finally know when the games are going to be played, where the games are going to be played. So the five things that I look for, and it's five exact that I look for when I get the schedule in my hand. First and foremost, I look for the bye week. No team in the NFL wants an early bye week. You want to get the bye week as close to week eight as possible, right? I mean, selfishly, I look at the bye week as well uh, just because my anniversary is October 20th, which is in football season. So me and the wife always look to see, okay, well, when's, when's the bye week? When can we celebrate the anniversary? So we do that, but also... 
for the football sake, you always want to get the bye week close to the middle of the season as possible. You don't want to get it too early, and you definitely don't want to get it too late. You want the team to be able to have that opportunity to kind of you know catch their breath, uh, maybe heal up from a few uh, you know bumps and bruises, little injuries here and there, and then boom, have that charge for the second half of the season. I wouldn't even mind if they played you know nine or even ten games, then got a you know got a bye, and then boom, finish out the season really strong. But you want to be as close to like week eight week nine as possible so you can just kind of split that up but it doesn't happen like that for every team you know we've seen the Raiders last year what they got the bye after week five then they had to go the rest of the season you know they went right after that Kansas City Chiefs game it was week five then they went on a bye then they had to go every single week so again you want to get as close to the middle of the schedule as possible week eight nine ten is really what I'm aiming for when I get that schedule where does that bye fall then the first home game, you always want to know who the first home game is going to be for the season. You always want to see who the Raiders are going to host, see how, you know, what that vibe is. What do you get? What kind of sense of, you know, do you think that they're going to win that game? Is it going to be the first game of the season? Is it going to be the second game of the season? Do they have a couple road games right away before they hit the hit the home game? But I always look to see when that first home game is, of course, who the opponent is. Is it a divisional game? Is it a game outside of the division? You know, is it a game that looks like it could be a, a, a big-time primetime matchup? Whatever the case may be when is that first home game I go back to 2021 where they had that Monday night football game against Baltimore as the first home game at Allegiant Stadium was the first game of the season and it was the first time that fans were allowed in the stadium that was a fun time us at the radio station, we uh, we had a really good time that day. We started out with the morning show, the morning tailgate at 7 a.m., and we all broadcasted live leading up to kickoff of the game at Allegiant Stadium right there from Coors Light Landing. That was a lot of fun. Obviously, we don't do that every single year, but that was the first time that fans were allowed in the stadium, so we were able to do that. So I always want to see when that first home game is going to be. Also, another element that I, I really find interesting, how many AFC games do they have early in the season? Right. I mean, you go back to a couple of the seasons like, uh, say, 2021, when they actually did make the playoffs. How many AFC games did they have at the very beginning? I think that that's important, even if they're not AFC West games, but just to establish maybe some wins over AFC games early. If you can get a team, because look, a team in week one, two, three, even four is not the team you're going to see in November, right? The team you see in September and even early October is not who you see in late November and early December. A lot of times in late November, early December, teams have gotten their groove back or, or found their groove, and all of a sudden that's, that's them playing at a high level. So how many AFC games can you get under your belt early and maybe get out to a nice little you know, a little lead as far as I'm concerned in the in the conference. You know, can you get three or four AFC games in your belt? Can you go three and one in the AFC? Then all of a sudden, you're setting yourself up for later on in the season. So I always like to see how many AFC games they have early. And like I said, back to 2021, the, the year that the Raiders did make the playoffs, they had a lot of AFC games early, and then they had some very meaningful AFC games late. And so that's what ended up helping them get to the playoffs when they went on that four-game winning streak at the end and ended up with the fifth seed. It's not like they were the seventh seed the last team in they ended up with the fifth seed and a lot of that had to do with the early success they had in those AFC games so that's the third thing I'm looking for first is the bye week second first home game third AFC games early in the season four the inevitable when do the Chiefs have their bye week right and when are the Raiders playing at Arrowhead that's basically they kind of go hand in hand those four I know it's two things there but they really go hand in hand when do the Chiefs have their bye week because the Chiefs don't lose Andy Reid does not lose coming off the bye week. He just doesn't. It's sickening, right? I mean, you see, you see the Raiders on the schedule, and you see them coming off the Chiefs bye week, and you're like, oh, man, that's going to be an L, right? There's no doubt about it. That's why I felt pretty good last year 
when the Raiders went into Kansas City in week five because, well, it was before the bye week. I thought that they had a good chance of winning that. Hell, they had them right there on the ropes, right? They should have at least tied them and maybe had an opportunity to go to overtime and win the game. We know Josh McDaniels went for two instead of just kicking the extra point to tie the game up. It didn't work out, didn't shake out like that, and Kansas City wins the game in regulation. But, man, if the Raiders can come out, if we find out when we get that schedule in our hand that, okay, the Raiders are playing the Chiefs in, say, I don't know, just say week seven, and maybe the Chiefs buy is week four, or week eight, <laughs> that would be great. That's a win right there, right? Even if the game hasn't been played, that's still a win because that gives you an opportunity. If you go back and look, Andy Reid's record coming off the bye is damn near flawless. He does such a good job coming off the bye, and I don't really know why he is that successful, but he really is. And, I mean, he's a hell of a coach anyway and has a really good team, but that is the fourth thing I'm looking at. When is the Chiefs bye week? as opposed to when the Raiders play them. And, you know, obviously, when do the Raiders play them in Arrowhead? You want to get them earlier in the season rather than later, because later in the season, that's when it starts to become cold. And then the final thing I'm looking at, just primetime games. How many primetime games do the Raiders get? We know they're not playing on Black Friday, (laughs) right? They most likely are not going to be playing on Thanksgiving. So when are they going to be playing? Are they going to get some Monday night games? Are they going to get Thursday night games? Remember, this year, every team doesn't have to play on Thursday night, so there's a chance that the Raiders never play on Thursday night. Are they going to get a Sunday night game, right? Are there going to be home games that are primetime? Like, I I really want to do focus in on the primetime games. The Raiders don't get a whole lot anymore. I thought that they were going to get a bunch of primetime games last year only because of Devontae Adams, uh, him reuniting with Derek Carr, Josh McDaniels being a better play caller than what uh, you know the Raiders had before that in Greg Olson and it didn't happen like that. They didn't have very many primetime games. So be it. What are they going to have this year? It'll let you know exactly what the NFL schedulers think the Raiders are going to do in their upcoming season. If you see them with a lack of primetime games, a lack of even a Thursday game, that just kind of lets you know that Well, the schedules don't think that the Raiders are going to be very good. I remember asking someone on my radio show on Wednesday, uh, I think it was Ted Wynn from The Athletic, I was like, man, don't you think that the uh, the NFL missed an opportunity to have the Raiders play on uh, on Black Friday? And he goes, yeah, I don't think anybody wants to see the the Raiders play on Black Friday. Just, you know, they're not expected to be that good. And I was like, damn, okay, (laughs) right? And sometimes when you're covering the team and you talk about the team every day, you don't really realize what the outside world is thinking of the team. And it sounded like, you know, for the most part, a lot of folks don't believe they're going to be very good this year, so maybe you won't see them in very many primetime games. But that's the last thing that I look for uh, is those primetime games. So real quick, the bye week is first. First home game is second. AFC games early in the season is three. The Chiefs bye week and when the Raiders play at Arrowhead is combined for number four. And then the primetime games. I guess you could throw, if you're going to throw a six in there, you could always say cold weather games. But really, I just focus in on the Chiefs and when the Raiders are playing at Arrowhead. That's the really one I'm concerned. Denver, not really concerned about that. I know they have games against Buffalo and you know other cold weather teams, but not really too concerned about that anymore. Just really looking at those five elements that I talked about. So what's on your mind? Your calls and texts are coming up next. 707-654-4693. This is the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a call from Diego from Arizona. He's calling to talk about the selection of wide receiver Trey Tucker from Cincinnati in round three, number 100 overall, and shares his thoughts. Here he is, Diego from Arizona. Hey, Q. The first time, first time caller, Diego from Arizona. Uh, just listening to the episode you had on Trey Tucker uh, and like a lot of Raider Nation 
I don't, I wasn't super excited about the pick when they first made it. Didn't quite, uh, didn't quite understand it. Thought it was kind of redundant with Hunter Renfro and DeAndre Carter on the roster. But after listening to the episode and, you know, thinking about more, thinking about the pick more and, and looking at some of what uh, Trey Tucker did when he was at Cincinnati, I do think as a third rounder, if he can immediately contribute on special teams, uh, that can really help both the offense and the defense. You know, if he's able to get in there as a gunner and, and make stops and prevent long returns, maybe even force a, force a fumble or recover a fumble or two. Um, and as well, just even if he's not, you know, I know we haven't had a, a return touchdown in a while. I think uh, Jacoby Ford uh, was the last person to return a kick for a score. And um, I think it's been a while since we've had a punt return for a score as well. But even if he's not returning kicks and punts for, for touchdowns, you know, right away, if he can break off a 20-yard, 30-yard, 40-yard return, you know, start us in um, – start us – Start drives in the enemy territory and stuff. I think, I think that's, that's a lot of contribution you could get from a third round pick that maybe, you know, um, a guy like, you know, Keely Ringo had to be taken him or something might not have, might not have gotten on the field and, and done right away. So, you know, if he's able to immediately contribute, if we had taken, you know, another defensive lineman or another corner or linebacker that isn't able to get snaps right away, um, we can maybe see some immediate production from a third-round pick, which we don't often get. So sorry for the long message. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, yeah, what kind of impact you can make just kind of solely on special teams. Thanks. Diego, thanks so much for the call, my man. Appreciate you checking out the show and, and giving us a call. And, yeah, I'm interested in Trey Tucker. We know he's got speed to kill, right? We know that. Scott Springer did a great job breaking it down from Cincinnati.com on my radio show. Really good conversation of what Trey Tucker brings to the table. Uh, you know, it's still, I think a lot of people are going to say that drafting him at number 100 in the third round is still too high. But depending on how he develops, what he turns into, maybe we look back a year or two from now and say, you know what? Great pick, right? If he's a guy that could change the field position for the Raiders and consistently get them out around the 30, 35 yard line, that's great. We know that most times kickers kick the ball out of the end zone. But if he has an opportunity to, to set up the Raiders with good field position, great. If he's able to return a kick finally, since it's been since Jacoby Ford, as you pointed out, and also Dwayne Harris back in, what, 2016, I believe, was the last time a punt return was taken back to the house. It's been far too long. There's teams that get kick returns three, four times a year. The Raiders haven't got one in years. <laughs> so that would be great. But also, how does he develop as a slot receiver? We know he's not an outside guy. Uh, you know, what, what, is the, what is the plan offensively? For Trey Tucker. That is something that I'm very interested in. Is it a guy that they're just going to try to get the ball in space and let him do what he does with all that speed? Are they going to use him as a wide receiver? I mean, he, he didn't really get used as a wide receiver a whole lot of Cincinnati. Definitely wasn't the best wide receiver on the team. So how do they implement him into the offense? Is Hunter Renfro around, right? That's going to be something to pay attention to, obviously. You know, what does that wide receiving core look like? And how does Trey Tucker factor in there? Thank you so much for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Jersey Raider. Says, Q, what up? Jersey Raider here. Would it be the worst thing in the world if we end the season with a top five pick in the draft next year? And hear me out. Only if three or four of those teams already have a quarterback and only if our defense shows significant improvement this year and only if our offense does what it looks like on paper like it should and only if we're able to get from go from top five to number one and take Caleb from USC. I know that's a lot of onlys, but getting him would change everything. Keep doing what you're doing. Raiders. That's from Jersey Raider. And thanks for the text, my man. And I mean, I guess in theory, 
it's not a bad idea. You know, it, it wouldn't be awful in theory because you feel like you're getting your quarterback of the future. But do you want to go through a season that's so miserable that you end up with a top five pick? I know I don't. I know I don't. Believe me, man. I'd much rather come home from Allegiant Stadium, uh, walk in, the wife and little Sarah see me, are like, hey, how you doing? And I come in with a smile on my face because it was a good day at the office, right? Days that is just a bad day at the office and, you know, just a bad performance and the opposing fans take over Allegiant Stadium, it just, it, it, it wears on you, brother. <laughs> it really does. It wears on you. So uh, it was a lot more exciting at the end of 2021 when the Raiders went on that winning streak and made it to the playoffs. I mean, the buzz around the city was exciting. The buzz around the team was exciting. And I get it. At some point, you got to find your your franchise quarterback. Uh, you do want to see that defense take a step forward. Uh, Jimmy G is the quarterback right now. How long is he going to be that guy? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? There's so many questions. But, I mean, you're right. At some point, you've got to make a move and get your franchise quarterback, whoever you believe that could be. And by this time next year, well, not this time because the draft's already passed by, but throughout the course of the college season, I know we're talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May right now, but I promise you there'll be about three or four more guys that we're talking about. We might be talking about them higher than Caleb Williams, so you never know how it shakes out. Right now, him and Drake May are 1-2 when it comes to the quarterback position, but I promise by the time the college football season gets wrapped up, we'll be talking about an Anthony Richardson type guy. We'll be talking about a Will Levis type guy. We'll be talking about about a Hendon Hooker type guy. You know what I mean? Like, we'll be talking about someone that's not Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. That's what I mean. Like, those are the two that we're talking about right now, but there'll be somebody else that pops up later towards the, uh, you know, the end of the college football season. So at that point is when I'll start talking about exactly who the quarterback could be long-term for the silver and black. But thank you for that text, my man. I do appreciate you chiming in on the show. Up next, got a call from Raider Meatloaf. He's calling to talk about Jordan Love sitting behind Aaron Rodgers and brings up former Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. Here he is, Raider Meatloaf. Hey, Q, it's Raider Meatloaf. Uh, just had a uh, thought. So uh, the Jordan Love thing is real with Green Bay right now. He sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. And I think that most people that were mad about getting rid of Derek Carr is that, you know, he was a uh, top 15 quarterback, in my opinion, top 12, top 11. He might scratch the surface of top 10. Um, if he's playing well, but, you know, we're going to see what Jordan Love is made out of and what the factor is in sitting behind somebody for three years um, in a certain system and learning it. Not only Aaron Rodgers is probably a to-come Hall of Famer, but um, I'm not saying that's Derek Carr, but somebody could definitely sit behind Derek Carr and learn. So I'm just uh wondering, you know, I know it's over, the train's passed, and we're on to Jimmy G, but would that have been the best fit for the Raiders at seven? Want to get your thoughts, Q. All right. Meatloaf, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you, and I think it's always the way to go. Sitting, sitting a, a rookie behind a veteran, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G. It doesn't matter who the veteran is. It's always the best idea to have a rookie quarterback sit behind him and try to learn the game and not be forced onto the field. The problem is that the kind of world that we live in right now, especially in sports, is it's a microwave world. And what do I mean by that? It's you put it in the microwave, you put it in 30 seconds, and you're supposed to have your results, right? Everything's supposed to be, be perfect then, right? Okay, you're good to go. Well, coaches don't have a long time. And I'm not saying head coach Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and company. I'm not talking about them in particular. I'm just talking about in the league. So when guys get drafted early, like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, hell, Anthony Richardson was drafted four by the Colts, those guys are going to play early. 
if not immediately from day one, right? Just they don't have that opportunity to sit behind a veteran and learn. It's just it's not those days anymore because, well, if a coach sits a guy behind a veteran, he might not have a job and not even have an opportunity to coach up that young dude. So, uh, you know, I think Jimmy G is a good veteran, that uh, a good quarterback, a guy that, you know, could potentially be your franchise quarterback, could sit behind and learn. I think that's why, well, I do know that's why I was talking about if the Raiders were to make a move for like CJ Stroud, if they if he had fallen to them at number seven and they went and drafted him, there would be no pressure to throw the guy in there immediately because they just signed Jimmy G. And that's what Dave Ziegler, when he talked to me at the at the owners' meetings, was saying that you know Jimmy G allows you to not have pressure to have to go take a quarterback and throw him in the mix right now. They have Aiden O'Connell there. Maybe he could sit behind Jimmy G and learn. But as far as you know, would Derek Carr mentor someone? I mean, Derek Carr is going to do that in in New Orleans. He's got Jake Hayner, the Fresno State quarterback, sitting behind him now, so he can do that with him. But Jimmy G could do it. Brian Hoyer is on the on the roster as well, so he can he can help coach up a young quarterback. It doesn't have to be DC. It could be any of these guys. Any of these veterans have a good idea of what's going on when it comes to the NFL game. So it's like I said, it's definitely good to have a quarterback sitting behind. Uh, a veteran and learning the game. One more text and we'll wrap up the show for today. This comes from Southern Indiana Raider. He says, hey Q, Southern Indiana Raider here. I've been looking back on the draft trying to be pessimistic, but I'm having trouble doing it. This time feels like it might be legit. I have a slight twinge of concern about Wilson only because of his foot. I'm not a doctor, but I'm still a little skittish. I don't like drafting injured players. They say he's going to be good to go, but I'll feel better when we actually see it. I'm not as bent out of shape as some about Mayer or Trey Tucker. Not sure about the quarterback, but we're going to find out soon. Why can't they compete? I think it's possible that they do. The fear of KC and LA needs to be turned down. There's no dominant teams. They are all flawed, and it usually comes down to a few plays. Worst to first, why not? That Southern Indiana Raider wants to be pessimistic, but he's feeling optimistic. Thank you for the text, my man. I do appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the draft. And that's what I was trying to say. And I know a lot of people thought that, okay, well, Q's just trying to pump it up and pump sunshine up my backside. It's not that at all. I just came out of the draft and felt like, you know what? It wasn't a bad class, right? It wasn't one of those classes where I felt like I had to convince myself that it was good, right? Oh, I see why they went and got this player. Like I remember telling myself how excited I was to see Damon Arnett. Because I was like, well, hell, if they saw something at Damon Arnett that made him draft him in the first round, then maybe I just missed something. I knew about Jeffrey Okuda, but I wasn't aware of Damon Arnett, so maybe I'm missing the big picture. I can't wait to see what happens. Well, fast forward, (laughs) I could wait to see what happens. And what happened was a disaster when it came to Damon Arnett. So, you know, this time I'm looking at the draft picks. I'm like, okay, I see see something that I I, I like. And and really what I like about it, and you can have your own feelings on it, you and, and the rest of Raider Nation as well, I like the fact that every one of these players that the Raiders drafted, all nine of them, all have production. They all produced in college, and they all have room to grow. You could tell that none of them are finished products, including Tyree Wilson, the seventh overall pick from the Silver and Black, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech. You could tell that a lot of what he did, and Ted Wynn from The Athletic has a really good piece in The Athletic right now on Tyree Wilson, how he can really unleash what he, you know, his special traits and how he can be really good in the NFL, what he's got to do. A lot of what he did in college at Tech was just based off of natural skill and ability. He's got the frame. He's got the athleticism. He, he's got, you know, he, he, again, he's got the motor. Now all he needs to do is get the coaching and, and go from there. And playing with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones can only help. So all these guys have room to grow, and that's what I'm excited about. But they also have had production. If it comes to sacking the quarterback, if it's coming to intercepting passes, uh, what else? Uh, stopping the run, sacking the quarterback. And in the case of uh, 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 Jones uh, out of uh, out of Alabama, you know, guys like that, they can do it. 
You know, Bernie, the linebacker out of Florida, a six-round pick. This guy has interceptions and sacks, you know, last season. Uh, you know, there, there's just guys all have production. So that's what I'm excited about. Mayer, back-to-back 800-plus-yard -back seasons at Notre Dame, plus he had nine and eight touchdowns. I mean, again, a lot of production from these guys, and that, to me, is what's most important about this, uh, about this draft class. So uh, that's what I got for you uh, for today. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that, that text, my man. Good stuff. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, got a call from Chuck Raider in the ATX. Got a text from Raider fan in San Diego. And got more that we'll get to on tomorrow's show. Of course, we'll be breaking down the schedule as it gets released later on this evening, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you can check it out on NFL Network, ESPN. It'll be all over Twitter. It'll be all over the Internet. Every outlet who is outlet will be talking about it. And at some point, they'll talk about it on Raiders.com as well. So we'll do that as we close out the week really strong. So until then, Raider Nation, take care of yourself. Uh, t take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.